As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another preview edition of the Buffalo Beat here. My name is Joe Piscalia. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. Thank you for listening to us, whether it's on the Athletic Podcast Network or any one of the free avenues. The Bills taking on the Las Vegas Raiders at Allegiant Stadium, trying to give the Raiders their first ever loss at their new home, and also trying to get to a 4-0 mark, which would be a perfect first quarter of the 2020 season. There's a lot of stuff to get to with this matchup and certainly bigger picture stuff that goes beyond this matchup based on what we've seen so far. But uh, certainly, I think one of the things that is at the top of the mind of a lot of um, Bills fans out there is how the defense has looked over the last couple of weeks. No longer have they been the the overwhelming defense that will steal a game for the Bills offense when they're not performing at least they haven't been for the first uh, for the last two weeks and that is making some people a little bit nervous I would say but the Bills are still 3-0 so you can't get too outright nervous but that said there are some curious signs there and specifically with the run defense uh Daryl Henderson and the Rams really took it to the Bills in in that last game, and I think there's a few different reasons for that. But and even even in the week before that, Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins they were getting going on on the ground game as well. So it's all a, a bit of a minor concern or potentially a major concern if uh, if it turns into a full blown problem. Because one of the more frustrating things for NFL coaches is when teams can't stop the run. So this is a this is a big, big challenge heading into this weekend, Matthew, and uh, I, I'm I'm just curious about what your thoughts on the defense on the whole have been over the last couple of weeks, certainly, um, certainly last week against the Rams. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting problem that the Bills are facing at the moment, uh, the way that their their defense is playing, because 
all of the ingredients from the good defenses are still there for the most part. Uh, this is I don't know that this is a case of Star or Shaq or Jordan Phillips being the, the missing piece. Now, collectively swapping the three of them with Mario Addison, Quentin Jefferson, uh, Vernon Butler feels like um, a bit of a wash, but maybe not. Um, uh, there could be some of that. I don't think the defensive line is playing particularly well in the middle. Uh, I think they would admit that. I think Harrison Phillips um, has said as much. So there's that element of it, but then there's the missed tackles. Uh, And uh, Tremaine Edmonds was a pretty big culprit last week, missing a few tackles uh, on the final few drives. I don't know if it was a case of getting worn down late in the game uh, with with his injury uh, or what it was, but you know, Jared Goff also had uh, one of his best games as a passer, um, you know, throwing the ball against this defense too. So all the ingredients are there for this defense to be what it was, you know, minus a a couple pieces here and there. Uh, And I think, I guess that's the silver lining is that they have what it takes to pull it back together, but points are up across the league. Uh, The way games are being called is, is, a lot different uh, through three weeks. Uh, Kevin Seifert of ESPN uh, wrote an interesting story on that. Not as many offensive holding calls, um, you know, refs kind of, you know, letting guys play. And as a result, you see more points. And I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Uh, People like watching that. The only thing is that, you know, the Bills have needed a um, unprecedented, you know, streak of success from their young quarterback in this offense to, you know, make up for what they've been doing on defense. I think the way the Raiders win this game is with Josh Jacobs. Uh, I, I think the with so many injuries to their wide receiver, uh, you know, group, they've got, you know, Darren Waller, the really talented tight end. But if they can run the ball, that, you know, kind of got everything going for the Rams. Uh, even when they were struggling, they still – ran the ball with Daryl Henderson and had quite a bit of success, some big chunks they were ripping off. And then you mix in the play action game and it, it creates a whole lot of problems. So um, it's hard to identify a single culprit because I think there's a few guys on that Bill's defense who need to play better. Tremaine Edmonds um, probably tops the list for me. Um, we've mentioned Taron Johnson. Uh, he's another one in the passing game. That's been a bit of a problem. Um, I, I'd say that, the defensive line has been okay, but in the middle, uh, I think they're getting pushed around a little bit. So some things they have to get corrected, simple things in some ways, right? Like staying in your gap, uh, getting off blocks, making tackles, uh, but usually easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are a lot of culprits for the breakdowns that happen specifically against the Rams. Uh, I also wonder if maybe um, this is the defensive performances have been a byproduct of a couple of different things. And I think we might've touched on it. I can't even remember what, what I've said and I haven't said (laughs) from day to day really, but maybe on the last podcast where you have to consider that Edmonds and Milano weren't in the lineup against Miami. And so that definitely changed how they, uh, how they played and how they schemed. Um, And then the Rams, you have to weigh the factor of the Rams having one of the best offensive play callers, if not the best offensive play caller in the NFL in Sean McVay. I mean, the guy is so smart, 
has his offense so well schemed. Everything is working off of one another. Um, they have the right pieces in place for all their different positions. I mean, it's just a, a well-oiled machine that eventually he he figured out how to get to the Bills' defense. But there's also player performance, too, because um, you're, you're absolutely right. Especially in the second half, Edmonds missed some tackles. And I think he drew a lot of the criticism from fans because when you see a missed tackle, that's that's like really easy to diagnose. Like, oh, dude, your your job is to tackle. Like, you should do that. And absolutely, that's 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 correct. But I do think there were a lot of breakdowns um in the middle, particularly of that defensive line. I don't think any one of their four defensive tackles had a particularly strong game uh, against the Rams. I think Quentin Jefferson was a weak link for a lot of the game and constantly getting pushed around wherever the Rams offensive line wanted him to. And I also also think this is a a product of the Bills not really having the the type of players they would necessarily want for the middle of their defense or at least in the positions that they want. I mean Ed Oliver is the locked in three technique, we all know that, but and Harrison Phillips, they had hopes that he'd be able to come back off a torn ACL and and maybe even start um, at one technique. But uh, he's lagging behind right now. You can still tell he's trying to come back from that torn ACL. And he was a spotty run defender in the first place. Um, and that was kind of his issue in his rookie season. And even when he got off to his hot start in, in uh, 2019, so you've got him as a rotational one technique. So then what do you do with with the spot next to Ed Oliver? Quentin Jefferson is not a normal one technique defensive tackle. Like he is, they sign him to be a hybrid three technique, um, pass rush one technique, and uh, potentially a defensive end on some snaps. They just wanted him to rove around the lineup, but because they really haven't had anybody step up into that one technique role the, he, he's had to fill that gap that uh Starla Tulele left um when when he opted out and then on top of that you have Vernon Butler who is his more natural position is at three technique I think he's probably a little bit better suited based on the options between him Oliver and Jefferson to play that one tech to be that that run stuffing sort of guy but that's not really his strength either so I wonder how much of it is a scheme thing um, and the Rams getting to them or how much of it is maybe not them not having the desired personnel to to get the job done in the middle to win those matchups because you know I, I know Latulale was a was a pretty um, popular punching bag uh, when whenever the run game or the run defense wasn't going well but but that guy he's a good player and the reason that's a reason that they wanted to sign him and and get him and really how he's going to be here next year and quite possibly the year after that, the way his dead cap is is laid out, because he's he's a solid run defender, dependable. He might only play 50, 45 to 50% of snaps, but they're cool with that. They they see value in that. And I don't know that they have that guy right now. And they might need to switch things around until they until they find that formula to actually get things together. And it's a bad couple of weeks to need it because they've got Josh Jacobs, who's one of the most pure runners in the NFL. And then after that, you know, assuming the game actually happens between the bills and the Titans, Derek Henry is, will be, will be attacking this, this run defense with 
a much better offensive line in front of them than what the Raiders have. So this is, I'm very curious to see the the differences or the different approaches they have to this week as opposed to last week. Well, it's, you know, we've talked about the challenge in sustaining defensive success from year to year. And these are some of the things that you mentioned, you know, personnel losses, guys getting a little bit older. Um, and, you know, I think they've been, you know, teams have been able to expose some of these flaws. Uh, you can see um, without Matt Milano, um, it's a completely different defense defending tight ends. Without Tremaine Edmonds at 100%, um, you know, he can't, you know, make up for uh, some of the, the things that Taron Johnson maybe necessarily isn't doing well at the moment. And, you know, without some of those guys in the middle of the defensive line, it puts a lot of pressure on everybody else. I think uh, it just hasn't been certainly not the start that, that they're, they were hoping for or that they're accustomed to. And um, like I said, they're fortunate that the offense is picking up the slack because if you had told anybody that the defense would be playing this way through three weeks, uh, I don't think people would have predicted a three and zero record uh, for those games, but you know, that's the the benefit of having an offense like the one they do. I, I don't think it's a case of, you know, every single player across the board playing poorly, but it only takes a, mm-hmm. a few guys to, you know, expose some flaws in your defense, especially when rules and everything else are, you know, increasingly, it seems, year by year, favoring the offense. Uh, it, it's tougher than ever to play defense in the NFL. Uh, and even with all the returning pieces and, and things like that that they have, you know, you're going to expect some some lapses. They weren't the perfect defense. Um, last year was probably their best year, I think, on defense out of, you know, McDermott's years here. But if you think back to other years, they had some of these times where they would go a few games um, and, you know, not be able to figure out how to stop the run or slow down a certain thing. And they usually adjust. Um, they usually find a way um, to, to plug the hole and figure out what's going going wrong. But, you know, they also haven't, you know, run up against a string of offenses like the one they're, ones they're about to run up against. Um on the schedule this whole year. Uh, but you, you mentioned the two running backs they're facing, but then the week after that, they have to play the chiefs. So uh, yeah, it doesn't true. really get, you know, a whole lot easier. Their number one deficiency right now is the number one strength of the next two teams on the schedule. And then the team after that on the schedule is like a supercharged version of the, the Rams team that just carved them up. So not a lot of time to figure out what's going wrong because more tests are coming. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have the the um, the overwhelming uh, just talent that they'll be going up against, that it's it's going to be tested. And when I, I'm just really curious to see what they do what they do with with these guys and and trying to figure out how to get this thing to go because we've heard Brandon Bean over and over again talk about you know how infuriating it is to not be able to stop the run. I mean, think back to 2017 when those two guys got here, Bean and McDermott, they couldn't stop the run at all. Like they, like teams were just running it all over them, and they made a major point of emphasis in the offseason to try and fix that with Latulalea as one of their primary free agent signings. And since then, it's been on a steady climb. But when you have what you saw with the Rams, that's a, that's a curious sign 
moving forward. And now it's on them to whether scheme it the right way or to put their guys in better position. The one idea that I had is maybe just flip-flopping Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson. Jefferson has started the first two games and uh, and you have Vernon Butler who's been playing three technique next to Harrison Phillips. But Butler is not as good of a penetrating defensive tackle as as Jefferson. So I wonder if maybe you slot Butler into the Latulale role, have him play, you know, the 40 to 50% um, and try and stuff the run that way. And then on passing downs, bring in Jefferson, who is a better pass defender um, and certainly a better pass rusher. And his one-on-one stats have proven that. And the way that he performed in the first two games have also proven that. So I wonder if maybe that's a way they go about this. They definitely need more out of Edmonds. They need him to to make more tackles and and sniff things out and not get occupied by blocks. But I feel like that's just the story of his career right now. Like he's going to get gobbled up by blockers. That's just who he is at this point until he shows some market improvement. Um, but yeah, it's their adjustments and how they do things. And I also found it curious, you know, whether or not Sean McDermott and you asked him about this today about whether or not he's going to take control of the the play calling because they've been. And he's been known to do that from time to time. If he doesn't like how the defense is going, he'll take the play calling duties from Leslie Frazier. And sometimes he'll, I mean, he relinquishes it to him eventually once things are back on track, but sometimes he wants that control over the defense. And I wonder how long he's going to let this thing go until he he does that. Yeah, I feel like it's worth watching this week. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes hard to tell, but you can tell on the TV copy if, if McDermott has you know, a play sheet and, and the headset going, uh, you know, you'll be able to tell pretty easily. Um, a lot easier to tell when we're there. Um, but something I, I have been wondering about, because that's kind of how they got it fixed the one time. And he, Sean McDermott mentioned twice this week on Monday, talking about how he needed to do a better job. Uh, he put it on himself. And I don't know if you're... I just think it's worth watching. Not that this is a Leslie Frazier problem. I really don't think that holds much weight. I mean, when you have guys missing tackles or missing assignments or not getting off blocks in the middle of the defensive line, I don't necessarily care what plays you're calling. But it does, you know, have a certain effect sometimes. Uh, And certainly a lot of head coaches call plays. So uh, it's not unusual, and I don't think it's an indictment of Leslie Frazier in any way. But something – definitely worth monitoring during the game because I, I think to your point it can't go on for too long before you know McDermott usually gets a little bit a little bit antsy and wants to have a little bit more control over it yeah and he's and he knows that this is his um reputation too because he knows he's supposed to be the defensive whisperer and and they're supposed to have these things and they've built a certain reputation in buffalo so um yeah very very curious to see how that all goes down once once the bills take on the raiders looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Um, I, another interesting part to this game is how the Bills will defend against Darren Waller because, I mean, he's pretty much all they have left at this point. Um, Henry Rugg, outside of Josh Jacobs, that is. Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards are both looking like they're not going to play in this game. Um, and that would leave the Raiders with a starting receiving core of Zay Jones and Nelson Aguilar on the boundary. And then Hunter Renfro, who's a, who's a solid player, uh, really good route runner um, as the slot receiver, which Taron Johnson will have to go up head to head against. But the key here is Darren Waller, because we have seen... Year in and year out, Derek Carr's uh, average air yards per completion just has been near the bottom of the league. Uh, and it's happening again, once again, through three weeks. Uh, his average air yards per completion is um, is 4.6 on the season. That's only 0.7 better than the lowest figure in the league, which is actually uh, owned by Drew Brees, who's at uh, 3.9 yard, air yards per completion. Um, and that means he's, he's relying on the guys closest to him, whether it be running backs or tight ends and Waller's the, the special one here, because I think everyone that watched Monday night football, um, when the Raiders took on the saints saw Waller just dominate that game, but he was a non-factor against the Patriots last week. And, uh, one of our one of our film analysts at The Athletic, Ted Wynn, uh, he did a tremendous breakdown of how the Patriots took away Waller. And some of it is translatable because of certain concepts, the way that they maybe sacrificed their pass rush um, to to bump Waller off the line of scrimmage, or maybe the way that they just disguised the, the backside double team coverages uh, of Waller to really confuse Derek Carr. Most of it was focused on Carr rather than Waller, which is which is something I found interesting. So some of that is translatable, but the Patriots mostly play man-to-man coverage, which means the Bills are going to have to have a unique plan of their own in this game. So I, I wonder if they're going to do anything special for Waller or because they've been so good at, against tight ends since uh, the defense really got going in 2018, uh, I wonder if, if maybe they're just going to operate as usual against him. I mean, he's the only he's really the only thing they have in the passing game. What do you think? Well, the the weird thing about the Raiders passing offense and how it sets up is that their biggest weaknesses line up against the Bills strength. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. they their boundary receivers stink. So, you know, at least the guys that are going to be playing, um, you know, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards would have been um, worth, you know, worrying about a little bit but the guys they have left aren't very good and you know the bills probably would have been take could take away anybody that they you know at least the top option uh on most teams Mm -hmm. but where the bills have struggled at times you know with with uh the tight end position because you know that was mostly because of milano's absence but uh still worth noting there were some chunk plays uh last week from the rams uh at that spot if you move guys around and um, you know, figure out ways around the Bills' top two cover linebackers. So that's, you know, one. They have two good tight ends, uh, by the way. Foster Moreau is more of a, a blocking guy. I mean, they actually have mm-hmm. three good tight ends. Jason Witten can still kind of play. Um, you know, he's obviously at this point not the receiver he once was, but 
um, you know, one of those savvy guys that, that can block. And and then Hunter Renfro also, you know, isn't a guy that you just overlook. Um, he's getting open a right. lot. And Taron Johnson has not been good. So it's a, it's a weird deal where, um, you know, the Raiders passing offense isn't necessarily a scary one, but they have a few, you know, sneaky matchups that, um, you know, they can attack the Bills' weaknesses if they want to. Um, Waller is going to be, you know, probably the primary focus of this Bills defense because uh, as he should, even without, <laughs> even with those two receivers healthy, he's, you know, the, the alpha dog in their passing game. But, you know, and then you've got certainly Josh Jacobs can make some plays as well. So they're going to have to get, if they're going to move the ball on the Bills the way the Rams did, uh, it's going to be up to John Gruden, I think, to to get a little creative uh, and figure out ways to scheme guys open and, you know, keep the Bills defense off balance with the running game. They certainly have, you know, one of the tougher offensive lines in the league, I think. Um, you know, Richie Incognito still chugging along. Um, at, at he's high. on IR. Though. Oh, he is on IR. That's right. Uh, yeah, he is on IR. They're starting a rookie in place of him, a, and uh, there's he had a great start to the season. I can't believe he's still playing at the level that he is. Uh, so they catch a break yeah. there, um, but they've got size up front, and I think you know Moreau and Witten, those guys that are um, you know good blockers uh, as tight ends, they're willing to go big against you and. That's not, you know, exactly something Bills fans want to hear when we talk about the the struggles they've had defending the run. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to see more three linebacker usage from the Bills in this game than maybe any other game because that's just how the Raiders play it. They're a little bit old school in that way. We're going to see a bunch of 12 personnel. And yeah, um, I would expect to see uh, at least, uh, I'd probably think 15 to 20 snaps, if not more of uh, the Raiders pushing the Bills into going with Edmonds, Milano, and A.J. Klein on the field. Um, quickly on Taron Johnson, he's so confusing because like, he's a good run defender, and he deserves all the credit that he can get for being a good run defender and being in the right spots when he needs to and making those tackles. But the coverage has just been horrid this season. Jamison Crowder lit him up. Isaiah Ford had a good game against him. Uh, last week, Cooper Cup again, showed uh, that Taron really struggles uh, right out of the break and he hesitates just a little bit too long and ends up seeding, you know, one and a half to two yards to the receiver. And that's all you need in the NFL. So he's got to get things together because Renfro, he is an incredibly underrated route runner because he hasn't had a huge statistical production uh, in his career just yet. But I think he's on the way, um, especially if Carr can get him the ball or Carr can identify him. I mean, this this kind of goes um, it goes to the wayside if Carr isn't looking his way, or the Bills confuse Carr when he's trying to go to um, go to Waller all the time, which is what the Patriots did. But I I, I think this is this is one that uh, he could factor in heavily in this game plan if the Bills aren't careful. All right, let's go to the offensive side of things because we have seen quite honestly the. Uh, the Bills passing offense, they've just been awesome this season. And they have Josh Allen obviously over a thousand yards through three games. They got the 10 passing touchdowns to only one interception. Uh, they have set the pace 
against uh, against their opposition and they found some weaknesses and they've they've exploited them so um kudos to them for doing just that i think we might be set up to see our first game where it's not the Josh Allen show and because of how poorly the Raiders defend the run like it is their their stats against the run are horrific i'm not i'm just talk, not talking like oh they're giving up about four and a half yards a carry exploit them they are all world bad right now so they have gone up against three teams obviously their run defense um through the season against against running backs specifically not fullbacks not wide receiver reverses running backs specifically they have allowed 399 yards and six touchdowns on the ground on just 65 carries, which is 6.14 yards per carry, which is preposterous. And then um, they've been out without one of their two starting linebackers or three starting linebackers and Nick Kwiatkowski the, the last couple of games. Without him, that balloons up to 42 carries for 302 yards and 7.19 yards per carry allowed to running backs. Then when you mix in how susceptible they are to running back passes. They've allowed 23 catches for 224 yards and a touchdown, which is good enough for 9.7 yards per reception to running backs. Now, I will say they have gone against two of the better ones in the league in Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, but the Patriots proved it wasn't just those two guys because Rex Burkhead lit him up. Uh, he had seven catches for 49 yards. Sony Michelle even chipped in for two catches for 23 yards. I think this game is setting up for a huge Devin Singletary game. I really do. I don't know that Zach Moss is going to be active for this game. That toe issue, I know he practiced all week. I'm just not convinced he's going to play. And so because of how teams beat the Raiders by pinning in their defensive ends and getting to the outside and making the linebackers run. Like that is Singletary's bread and butter. The Bills have been awesome in the screen game this year. They they completed a 30 yard 30 plus yarder to Singletary against the Rams. The Raiders not so great at defending the screen this year. So I just think this could set up for a uh, a big time Singletary day and I wouldn't be surprised to see TJ Yeldon a bit more involved than he was last week if, as long as Moss doesn't play. Uh, I think I think Yeldon could uh could actually be a little bit more of a ball carrier this week than he, than he was last week. But yeah, heavy emphasis on the run and getting big against this defensive line, which I think um, this offensive line can really overpower in this game. Sounds like a good chance for a Lee Smith revenge game. Get him in there. <laughs> I don't know if he'll dress, though. Knox is going to be back. Gotta, gotta dress three tight ends just for the Lee Smith revenge <laughs> game. Get him in there. Uh, get him blocked and have the extra body. Uh, I, it would set up great for Zach Moss if if he's able to go. Uh, I think yeah. you know his, his kind of physical, direct style of running, I think, would really uh, you know be a, a nice asset for the Bills' offense. Toe injuries are, are, you know, throw them in that bucket with some soft tissue injuries. They can be weird, um, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the, the Especially if it's that, turf toe. Yeah, the, the problems they can cause uh, lingering. But we know this is a guy that's played through injuries before. Um, the Bills have a tendency to protect players from themselves. They have a tendency to err on the side of caution with a lot of injuries. 
Uh, so it wouldn't be a surprise if uh, they they ease him back. But um, it does certainly feel like he could he could get it going. Uh, it, you know, he's had a slow start to the season. I would say one of the one of the disapp- disappointments on the Bills' offense. Um, yeah, has, certainly has been Zach Moss, but. Um, you know, we'll see if he's able to go, but I think Singletary can handle it um, just fine uh, if, if Moss can't go. And, you know, another opportunity for, for Yeldon, who's gotten not very many of them uh, here. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think the one thing that, you know, people certainly need to remember about Brian Dable is, you know, one week does not always look like the next week. And I think we're due at some point uh, to see him and the Bills return to, um, you know, a little bit of that that running style. Even you know, look at what the Patriots did last week. Oh my um, God! And it was incredible. And that that was without you know Damian Harrison and James White. Uh, so who might twenty six carries for two hundred nine yards for their for the Patriots running back? Rex Burkett against, against the had Raiders. A coming of age. Uh, you know, had a revival uh, of sorts in that game I he know. had quite the day uh, I i'd throw him and sony that. michelle went for 117 i mean i'd throw burkhead right in that bucket with mccaffrey and camara though to be fair uh, i think you know pr- probably the raiders have faced the three best running backs in football in mccaffrey camara and, and rex burkhead <laughs> but you know singletary is due for you know he had a good game last week but he's, he's due to find the end zone um and you know maybe this is the week he does it yeah, I, I think I think there is uh, major breakout potential in this game for Devin Singletary, especially if the the linebacker Quiet Koski doesn't play. Um, uh, I, I think I think he could go off in this game just with how poorly the Raiders have defended the run uh, at a lot of different levels. The the one guy to be cognizant of is their strong safety Jonathan Abram, who is a really good player, but he's a little banged up as well. Um, he could chip in on run defending, but you know. Corey Littleton, their their linebacker that they signed in free agency, he's been a bit of a flop. Uh, they they have Raquan McMillan taking some snaps, and he's he's not that good. Um, Hankins and Collins in the middle of that defense have not really been that great. Um, you know, Cleveland Farrell, who is a former fourth overall pick, um, essentially helped the Bills get at Oliver because the Raiders took him so high. Um, he is a solid run defender, but you know, nothing too overwhelming to where they can't pin him in. And I think that's going to be a major point of emphasis in this game because there are a lot of yards picked up by the Patriots by doing just that. They did it with J.J. Taylor. They did it with Rex Burkhead. You know, they they mostly focused between the tackles with Sony Michelle, who got 117 yards on nine carries, by the way, um, which is ridiculous. Uh especially for Sony Michelle with all the injuries that he's had over the course of his career, but he looked good doing it. And I wonder if maybe that's, if Moss can't go, maybe Yeldon fulfills the Sony Michelle role. Like maybe they get a little heavy and, uh, and, you know, maybe go a couple of tight end, maybe even mix a sixth offensive lineman in there, which Brian Dable has been known to do from time to time. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of different ways to exploit this Raiders rush defense, but that just, underlies the point here underlines the point this is this could be the one game so far that Allen kind of takes a back seat which would also then uh which would also set the Raiders defensive backs up who play mostly man-to-man coverage for you know p- 
peeking in the backfield, anticipating the run, and then double move, deep ball to Stefan Diggs or John Brown or Gabriel Davis, three receivers who are pretty good at bringing those in. So, yeah, I, I think this is this matchup is setting up really well for the Bills. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect from the Raiders. I mean, I watched the Monday night game when they played the Saints, but after going and, and watching that game on film and then and then the Patriots game on film, I'm like, yeah, this matchup, this matchup's pretty tasty for the Bills uh, with, with the way everything's setting up. The Raiders' pass defense isn't very good either, so it's kind of a right, exactly. choose-your-own-adventure for Brian Dable. He could come out and throw it around the yard and probably have some success. Um, you know, I think looking at the way they defend the run, uh, you know, they're going to be maybe a little bit more run-heavy, but I'm also not ruling out them, you know, attacking this secondary. I know Damon Arnett is banged up. Uh, he's probably their best corner. Um, you know, I think Trayvon Mullen is, is pretty good, but you know, they can be thrown on. Um, and if you're going to play man coverage against these bills receivers, you know, you're probably going to have some trouble. Um, they do, you know, they can, they can mix it up. Um, you know, I think, but yeah, it's not going to be totally run heavy, but, but yeah, I think they have a major opportunity to run more than they have. And when you have, you want to be able to run the ball, you know, look at the lead they got out to last week and then the way the offense stalled. That was a part of, you know, the the Rams coming back into that game uh, and, you know, certainly being able to put your foot on the gas and run the football when you, you, you're you up that big um, doesn't hurt. And uh, I think that's the type of game this could turn into. It could, could be a – I think it's a fun matchup. I think the Raiders are, are a pretty good team. Um, you know, they're probably a team where uh, they've overachieved a little bit, but – you know, John Gruden's mm-hmm. getting something out of these guys, and uh, they're not going to be an easy out. All right, let's uh, let's get straight to the predictions then. Matthew Fairburn, I believe the uh, the line is. Let's see, let me find it right now. The Bills are favored by three points on the road, and yes, they uh, do. The Bills cover the spread. And what do you have with the game prediction outright? Do they get to four and zero? Yeah, I think the Bills win and cover the spread. Uh, I think they, I think they can beat the Raiders by somewhere in the realm of four to seven points. Uh, I, you know, I I don't trust the Raiders' defense to slow down the Bills' offense, and I think that's what it comes down to. Do I don't know what to expect from the Bills' defense. Uh, it's a bit of a guessing game, figuring out when or if they'll be able to correct some of these. Issues that are fairly simple uh, in theory, but a little bit tougher in practice on the fly to be, you know, correcting them. I, I think the Raiders can score some points. Um, I think, I think the over is a pretty good bet here. I forget what the number is. Really? Do you? I think it's in the high forties. Um, no, it's fifty-two and a half. Oh, it got bet up. Uh, it opened. Yeah. It opened in the high forties. I, I still like the over um, until you, wow. you know, that this the way the Bills' offense is putting up points. Um, yeah, I like it. I liked it better at the opening number, but um, also anybody who reads my work knows I'm not very good at making bets. But I'll take the Bills <laughs> and I'll take them to cover. <laughs> What's interesting is uh, before you brought up the over under, I'm I'm thinking in my mind, oh, I'm going to bring up the over under and and say you you should take the under, <laughs> just because I I the reason the reason why uh, I think the opposite um, just just from that perspective, is I think the Raiders might try to slow the game down a little bit um, with Josh Jacobs and 
you know, time of possession, running clock, keep the the ball out of Allen's hands because he's explosive right now, obviously, and just go real old school and and bring down the Bills what has been pretty good pace of play so far this season. Um, so I wonder if, uh, you know, my final score prediction has the under hitting, but take it for what it is. I'm going to take the Bills to win this game. I think the advantage the Bills have over the Raiders defensive line and how they should be able to run on them because it is the specific ways that they can run on the Raiders is, you know, perfectly geared towards Devin Singletary's skill set. Uh, I think that is a potential game-changing part to this. I think Josh Jacobs will have some success against the the Bills' run defense, and I think it'll be frustrating at times for Bills fans. But I don't trust Derek Carr to move the ball against this pass defense, even a Darren Waller. They're going to have a plan for him. Um, Hunter Renfro, maybe. But, you know, Zay Jones and his three catches for 26 yards will will not do any damage against against the Bills in this game, I don't think so. Um, I'm going to take the Bills to win, to cover, and I've got uh, I've got the final score over at the Athletic right now as 26 to 17 in favor of the Bills. I think it it might be um, it might it might just be a little bit easier than than maybe I was originally anticipating it, but still the Raiders will play them tough for a while in this game. So yeah, we got uh, we've we've we're mostly on the same page there. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not that that over or under is going to hit. So choose wisely, folks. Yeah, that score prediction here sets up for a, a backdoor Raiders, you know, touchdown, two-point conversion would put them at, what, 25? I'd be right on the edge. You're flirting with it. Yeah, uh, Bills get it. Bills get an extra point or something, and they're like 27 to 16. Raiders uh-huh. score a touchdown. I don't know, 52. It's a good number. Vegas is good at making these numbers, so. Yeah, yeah, 52 and a half, though. That that extra point might be too much. Yeah, you need... Well, here's the thing. If the if the Bills can get to 30, uh, I like the chances of, of the overhitting. And yeah. look at all, look at that game last night, you, you know, the Jets and, and Broncos. It's like so many games are, you know, you need to score 30 practically to win in this league yeah. right now. So um, I feel like the over is a good bet on the Bills until we see... A course correction of sorts uh, or a regression to the mean, um, you know, from this offense, which may or may not be coming. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think if they can get to 30 against the Rams, they got a shot to do it against the, the Raiders. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for us here on this rendition of the pod. The next time we will speak with you all will be on Sunday after the game. Um, and quick reminder if you have yet to subscribe to The Athletic, be sure to head over to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat right now to jump in on the $1 a month offer that we still somehow have <laughs> have going. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. So it would if you have been a little bit on the fence and you want to jump in on all of the Bills coverage you can handle, uh, be sure to head over to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat for that $1 a month offer. And uh, you can read all my stuff, whether it's the all 22, um, grades that, that I post every week or, you know, the, the five thoughts column, um, before the game that kind of brings all the big picture and small picture stuff for that upcoming game or Matthew Fairburn's, uh, uh, musings from, from the previous game. He just wrote, uh, a great story after, after the game on, uh, 
on on Josh Allen and um, in that Rams game. So uh, be sure to check out all of that. And of course, Tim Graham's chipping in. You can you can see uh, all John Vogel's writing on on the Sabers as they try to get back to uh, relevance and and really any other sporting team that you could want to cover or want to follow. Uh, we've we've got you covered there at the Athletic. All right, Matthew Fairburn, any fond words of farewell this time around? I think it's kind of funny that Josh Allen is going up against Derek Carr and the guy who coached Derek Carr at Fresno State basically got fired because he never took Josh Allen seriously. It's kind of an interesting wow. little story Tim Graham told over at The Athletic oh, yes. today. Um, That's right. Not, not uh, The athletic director didn't mince words when they hired the next coach, basically said, this guy knows where Fireball is. So um, kind of funny that um, basically Josh Allen just wanted to be the next Derek Carr. He wanted to go to Fresno State. He wanted to follow in his footsteps, and they just didn't want him. Um, so wow. kind of an interesting sidebar to this this game this weekend. Absolutely. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. And, uh, yeah, we will talk to you and see if the Bills can beat the Raiders to get the 4-0. We will talk to you after the game on Sunday. See you then.